0: What's going on, people? I would like to welcome all of you to another Q on 1 edition of the Talk to Q Radio Show. My name is Quincy, and this is my show. And with the Q on 1s, what I like to do is interview people. and an author from the Peach State of Georgia. Please welcome Miss Angel Charmaine to the Talk to Q Radio Show. Angel, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing well, Q. How you doing?
0: I am outstanding. Good. All right, so Thanks. we'll go ahead and get started. I mean, you're you're one of the busiest people that I know. On top of being a mother of four, you're doing so many things on social media to uplift the people, but where did your desire to share your story and to find avenues in which to inspire others originate?
1: Well, as I began to do the hard work of heart work uh, and I began to heal, I realized other women, other young girls were going through the same uh, journey as I had gone through, I realized that everything that I dealt with in 40 years of living, that all of those experiences were not just for me, but they are for other people there for me to help some other people along the way. And so as I began to heal, it's funny, Q, because um, I, could, I could like go out to a club or something like that with friends. And I could see mm-hmm. the pain in women. I could see it. You know, I'm like sitting wow. in the club. I'm supposed to be enjoying myself, but I'm looking at a woman and I'm going, oh, golly, she's so broken. Oh, my goodness. She got issues, too. Oh, you know, so I said, okay, I'm going mm-hmm. to have to open up my mouth and, and share.
0: Okay, so what is Speak Up, Sis, and how did that come into fruition?
1: Speak Up, Sis, is a business and a ministry. Um, It came to be, well, let me me back up. Speak Up, Sis, is, is safe space for women to acknowledge, own, and embrace the truth of their reality and give voice to it so that they can heal and actually begin to walk in whatever their life purpose is. So in a nutshell, that's Speak Up Sis. Um Speak Up Sis, uh came into fruition August 27th of 2018. I remember the date because I was uh, prior to that, maybe about a week prior, I was sitting down with a good friend of mine. She was helping with me with my business plan and all that kind of stuff, Um, because the business was actually named something else. And she was helping me just kind of get things together. And I was like, you know what? I want to have, like, in-person conversation. (laughs) she was like, okay. And so (laughs) September the 7th, we had our very first in-person Speak Up Sis experience. And it has just been flourishing from there. Uh, August In August of 2018, there was no Speak Up Sis podcast. There was no talk radio. There was no Speak Up Sis, all the stuff that people see now. None of that was in existence. I didn't even mm-hmm. think that I would do any of those things. Speak Up Sis just started out as me providing a space for women to come in an intimate setting and share the word of their testimony, just share their stories, and it just sort of blossomed from there. Okay.
0: Now, so how does Speak Up Sis help women who may be stuck in their, you know, in, in a life situation? I mean, whether that be putting their dreams on hold to be a single parent or maybe not feeling empowered to take control of their life, um, how does Speak Up Sis help with that?
1: All right, so let let me say this. The the foundation of Speak Up Sis is sharing
0: mm-hmm.
1: your story sh- I, sharing my story to inspire yours, right? And the root of it at the very heart of Speak Up Sis is about having conversations. Sort of reintroducing the art of conversation. I don't think people realize okay. that we don't really know how to converse anymore. <laughs> people don't even like to talk to each other. You know, they rather text or <laughs> you know, whatever. But people don't really like to have conversations and they don't really know how to have conversations. And the, at the core of my philosophy is that conversations help to build resiliency. And those who are able to just open up authentically and share, they actually bounce back from the tough stuff of life faster than people who don't talk, who won't share, right? So the way okay. that Speak Up sis helps women um, who, who may feel you know stuck is by giving them this space that is safe and when I say safe, I mean you're going to come into a place, and there are going to be other women, but folks aren't going to judge you. And I even hate saying that because it's so overused these days. But, really, people are not going to say that, oh, what you're doing is bad or is wrong um, or, you know, oh, girl, I don't understand why you would do something like that because that's stupid and crazy and I would never do that. <laughs> so you're not going to hear those types of Words you're not going to hear those types of comments, and you know, in a speak up CIS space. So the space is safe, um, and so women are able to open their mouths and be vulnerable, transparent, and honest, so that they can have these conversations that build resiliency. Um, you're they're also going to get community. Um, I'm very particular about the speak up CIS space that that it's always intimate. Whenever we have a speak up to experience, whether it's in person or whether it's virtual, there's a limit on how many women can attend at one time. Typically, no more than 20, I prefer between 10 and 15. And so it's a very small, very intimate space because what happens is women, I call it an experience, because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You just have to experience it. Women just begin to share stuff that they don't share with anybody else. It just comes out. They just start spewing it out. And so I want that space to remain safe because when you have too many women in a space at one time and they're all sharing their stuff, it just becomes catty. Um, people get defensive, right? Um People start looking at, oh, that's her issue. Her issue is worse than mine. And, you know, so you get a whole bunch of stuff that happens when you get too many women in one room who are all trying to share. So the space remains relatively small. um, And so you actually get to build in the community. It's almost like a little cohort. (laughs) So the women in that particular experience, they really get to know each other. They end up connecting outside of the Speak Up Fist space. They share numbers. They do all sorts of things. And so now you've got this close-knit group of women that you feel very comfortable to, you know, to have these, these, these very necessary conversations. Um, the space also provides wise counsel, which I think is very important. Um, you're gonna mm-hmm. have people there like myself and I also have facilitators that will sometimes join me and we don't we just facilitate the conversation. That's it. We just kinda start it and we help yeah. it move along nicely. But there are what happens is so weird. Women will begin to share their stories to encourage and help. And, and and give really good sound intel <laughs> to other women in the <laughs> space. And so you, you got a lot, you know, you got a lot of wisdom that will be in that place. So they get wise counsel and they get practical strategies, practical strategies, things that have actually worked for other women. Um, you know, it's like I don't know what to do. I've been, you know, this is happening and I don't know what to do. And so now you've got this space where people are just being very real and they can give you real things that you can take away to help whatever your situation is, um, you know, that you're dealing with. So you get all of that and so much more.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And one of the things that, Speak Up SIS offers is the IBT sponsorship program. Can you tell my listeners about the IBT sponsorship program and how it helps others?
1: Oh, most definitely. IBT stands for I've Been There Financial Assistance Program, and I created IBT because there was a time where, and I mean I guess I'm still in that time, but when you are a single working parent, and I say working, and I mean working, <laughs> but single working parents, both male and female, who make just you know a little bit over what the system says you can make to get any assistance. I remember being, um, I remember being a single parent who made. I made enough money for the system to tell me that I make too much money, and I remember mm-hmm. having times when it's not like it's not like I was poor and we were just going hungry. It wasn't that, but there were times when I had to decide, okay, I'm not going to i'm not going you know I'm not gonna eat lunch today at work because I need to give my son money for school lunch or I'm yeah. like, man, if I just had $30 for gas to get me through the rest of the week without having to ask people because when you sit in that place where you're working and you're earning, you know, you're earning some money but it's not a whole lot, you really do get in this place mm-hmm. of not wanting to ask people. You don't, want to, you don't want people to think that you don't have it or that you can't do it or that you can't handle it. So oftentimes working single parents won't ask for help. When they need it. So what IBT does is provides small amounts of financial assistance. It's usually about $150 or less, although um, we have provided upwards $200 per, you know, for a particular for one person. Um, But it provides small amounts of financial assistance uh, to be able to help in three categories: either vehicle fuel, because the thought behind it is if you're a single working parent. Sometimes you just get in a pickle. Maybe your kid got sick and you need to buy medicine, or maybe your child grew a little before winter and you didn't realize you don't need to buy a new coat, and now you need to buy a new coat. You can't buy gas, right? That's the concept behind it. So you may just need money mm-hmm. for gas until you get paid. So we will give money for fuel, vehicle fuel, or, like, bus passes if that's your way of, you know, getting back and forth. Uh, you, you know, I know cities where people are using public transportation more than their own personal vehicles. We will also give money for grocery. So you know how it is. It's like I just, just got to get to payday. That's really what it is. It's kind of I got to get to payday and right. I don't know where else to go. And then the third category is utility assistance. So we will help. Pay a light bill, a water bill, a gas bill. You know, you know um, if, if if they need it. However, you can only get assistance once every six months, um, and you have a maximum of four times to be able to get assistance. So you could ma- You'll max out very in two generous. years. I yeah I, I. So yeah, so far IBT's. Um, IBT launched November 15, 2019, and by January, we had helped 12 working single parents, one of which was a man, and, um, yeah, we, we helped with all three categories. The problem with IBT is that it is not a nonprofit organization. And I'm still deciding on if I want to do that or not. But it is not a nonprofit. It is a program that my business offers. Therefore, it's funded solely by what I make in my business. I take 50% of the profit from my, um, you know, signature collection, Speak Up Sis merchandise, and Mm -hmm. I put that inside the program and then I um, and then I have sponsors, people who will give one-time sponsorships or um, or recurring sponsorships. Businesses who want to just sponsor, and so I have a couple of recurring sponsorships. So it, I was helping so many people so quickly that I realized I had, the the need was greater than the giving. So. I had the application opened every day. People could just apply. Then I realized, wow, I'm getting more requests and I'm getting sponsorship funds and that products that I'm selling. So I had to close the application. I just opened it up every Monday. And then um, I had to eventually just close it. The app is still on the website, but you can't access it. And the way I'm having to do it now is, Select the people that the program helps because I don't like telling people no. I don't like telling people, oh, I don't have the, you know, we don't have the funds to help you. So when I have the funds, then I help the people. So I've been really trying to get people to, you know, be (laughs) sponsors. But you know how that is, Q. I mean, people, people want help when they want it, but they don't want to give help. So it's just hard to get people to give. And, yeah, so. But IBT is still alive Well. because I do have a few recurring sponsorships, and so I just can, I just can only help a few people, whereas before I could help more.
0: I think it's a wonderful program. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that it's a wonderful program and hopefully, you know, this appearance will help spread the word and um, you can Mm -hmm. grow the program to help even more. But I I think it's a wonderful program. Thank you. And, uh, okay, so you've made some tough decisions in your life. And one of them Mm -hmm. in particular involved you leaving your children for a substantial period of time. Can you share that Mm -hmm. story with my listeners on why you did that and also expound on how you and your family ultimately benefited from it?
1: Sure. So, and when you say I left my kids, it's like, uh, but, I mean, I guess I did, you know, um, but they were with their father. <laughs> I know it sounds a lot worse
0: God. than what it was, but it does.
1: everyone let her, explain, let
0: her explain,
1: let her explain. <laughs> because they're going to, like, let me call and type about this. Um. So, I was married. I got married at 24, and Mm -hmm. my husband was 28. And um, right after we got married, I began having more children. I had a son prior to when we got married. He was two. And, um, like, we got married in September. By January, we were pregnant with twins. And um, by the time I was 28, I had four sons. So there was a time when I was 28 years old. I had a four-year-old. I had two one-year-olds, and I had an infant. I was married. I was a school teacher.
0: I started Uh, teaching
1: at 22 years old. Yeah, yeah. I went to school. So I'm not. I'm a. I'm a born teacher. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I think I'm a teacher because I can't find a job. No, I went to school to be a teacher, a (laughs) trained teacher. You know, I was teaching my first uh, my first class when I was 22 years old, and so here I am, 28, uh, married woman, four babies, pretty much. Um, I'm the church lady, the spirit led dancer at church. I'm teaching the youth ministry and teaching, you know, in the in the children's church or whatever. Um, Doing just all these things. I started a, a literacy program at the church. I had a girls group. I mean, just, I was doing a whole lot at 28. Uh, homeowner. obviously. woman things, on the right? planet. It's crazy. And I prided myself in being this superwoman. Well, when I hit 33, something happened. And it wasn't just at 33. It was definitely a building up. Um, and I I understand it now. At the time, I didn't really know what was happening, but I, I I get it now that I have done the hard work. But at the time, I started to feel like I was suffocating. Um, I know now that a large part of the time I dealt with depression, but I I I wouldn't have said that then. You you wouldn't have been able to tell me that I was depressed, you know. But I spent I spent a lot of time. Mm-hmm crying. There are times I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't get out of the bed. There are times where I just really tried to talk myself into a nervous breakdown, like, I'm just going to lay here, don't move, don't do nothing, or whatever, just stay put, you know, and I it, I know now I was depressed, and so at the time, I would tell my husband, we need to do something. I need something. I need to get out of here. I'm suffocating. <laughs> I'm suffocating, I tried when uh, I taught career and life skills along with English. And so I would have the military recruiters come talk to my students. And I remember one time after the kids had left class, I was talking to him and I was like, look, if I wanted to join the military, what would I have oh, to my do? <laughs> and, because at the time, I was like, I think I probably was about 30 or 31 at that point. I was like, am I too old to go to the military? Or if I wanted to, are there incentives or, you know, that kind of thing? And so I would go home, and I'm like, babe, hey, you know, if I joined the military, would you be willing to be like a military husband or something? I just need to go. But he wasn't He wasn't willing to do. He wasn't willing. He, wasn't, he was like, no, what is wrong with you? And I understand now Mm -hmm. that I didn't fully explain what was happening. I was just like, we need to do something. And he was like, no. So we got to a point where I was just kind of fed up. And I was like, I'm going to die if I stay in this. I really felt like I was losing myself. You know, I was Miss Wright. I was Kevin's wife. I was the lady with the four boys. I was the twins' mama. I was the... You know, I was all of these things, but I don't think at that time in my life people even knew my first name. And it just dawned on me, like, I don't know who I am. So he and I, um, you know, I came, I actually had went back to school. I had already earned my master's degree, and I was going back to earn a specialist degree to get a a degree in uh, guidance counseling. So I was going on my third degree, and I came home from school one day in April, April of 2010. And um, he wanted to have sex. And I was like, no, I don't feel like it. And he was like, Mm -hmm. what? And I was like, no, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. And I'm not going to do anything else ever that I don't want to do. And he was like, so what does that mean? I was like, "Uh, I didn't stutter. (laughs) <laughs> so he was like, do you know who you're saying to? And I was like, Yeah, my husband. But I don't care. I'm not doing anything I don't want to do. You you know, like, you can't make me. I don't want to have sex with you. I don't want to have sex with you. So we just kinda kinda just kinda went back and back. We weren't arguing, we just kinda had this very serious conversation. And so he was like so where does this lead? Like, what is this? Where do we go from here if you're not willing to budge on anything? And I was like, well, I don't know. I guess that means we need to get a divorce. <laughs> and I I can tell you it's clear as day. All of this took place in one day. Mm. And wow. he was like, divorce? I was like, I guess so. And he then was just like, if that's what you want, that's what he said, if that's what you want. And I said, okay, I guess that's what I want. (laughs) And by May, we were legally separated. And um, he moved out of the house. The children were there with me. He went, got, got a got his own place to stay. I helped him pack and everything. You know, I remember he came in the room and was like, you know, the boys, because he, he, uh, he was an Omega, so his frat came to help. And they all knew us and everything, and they were like, they think you're crazy. You know, they're like, is Angel okay? Because she just seems just like nothing's happening. <laughs> But for me, I had just settled that this is over and we're going to just go on. So, I'm, you know, I was helping him pack, and I was like, you need anything? I went and bought everything, you know, all the buckets he mm-hmm. was going to need, you know. And then he was, he was out of the house. And then by July, um, I heard about this this place called Abu Dhabi who was hiring teachers. A friend of mine was telling me, told me she was, uh, she had applied, and they were, like, having this reform, educational reform, and um, she had applied. She was wanting to go. I was like, I don't even know what that is. I've never heard of that place before. I had never heard of Dubai. I had never heard of the UAE. I had never heard of any of that. Um, so I was like, okay. So I just applied online. They called me the next day to do a phone screening. Um, from the phone screening, the lady was like, hey, yeah, I think we like you, so can you do a phone interview? I was like, yeah. So like three days later, they called me to do the phone interview. From the phone interview, they were like, you know, we don't want you to be a teacher based on your experience and personality and everything. Uh, we think you'd be a great fit for another position, which was actually a supervisory position as a consultant, um, where I would uh, uh, mentor and coach teachers. So, um, like three days later they called. I did the interview on, on the phone. They were like, if you want the job, can you be here by August twentieth? <laughs> this is this is all happening in a week. Um, a week, a mm. week and a half or so. Wow. And so I was like, Yeah, I can be there August about August twentieth. Mind you, I don't have a passport. I've never been outside of the country. Um except for our vacation, but I mean <laughs> what is that? On a Yeah, so I'm like, boop, 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 boop. so I called because we were still married, I called my husband and I was like, Look, I got this opportunity. You know, I've always wanted to teach overseas, you know, da da da. I wanna go, you know. Can can the boy because they I, I learned as I did my research on the place that it was in the Middle East. And you know back in two thousand ten and you know, years ago when you heard the Middle East, you thought 9-11. Oh, man. And you, you know what I'm saying? You thought death and they're fighting and you just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so I didn't, I wasn't sure if it was safe, really. So I was like, okay, can the boys stay with you? They were still so young. I didn't know what I was going into. I had never been abroad. I had never had a passport. Um, so he said, he said, okay, if this is what you need to do. Go ahead. And I, I got the boys. So that was like, okay. Once he said it, I was like, it's a good, good. Um, so I got my passport. I drove all the way to Washington DC, me and my friend, cause she got hired as a teacher. So the both of us, cause you had okay. to get everything like within less than a month's time, you know. And um, so we drove, to, instead of getting a courier to do it, we drove to D.C. to get all of our paperwork um, stamped by the different embassies and, uh, you know, get all the notaries we needed and all that kind of stuff to, you know, make sure, verify all of our documents and stuff. We did all of that. And then August 20th, I was on a plane to the United Arab Emirates. Um, Specifically to Abu Dhabi and a in a small uh, town called Al and I was there for a year, and my children remained with their father in Georgia um, for that year, and that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> in a nutshell.
0: That uh, I mean, how hard was it to stay to be away from them? I mean, what was it like the first couple of weeks?
1: Oh, I cried. I cried. I when I got off the plane, I realized I'm I really did something. You know, when I got off the plane and you know in London, um, and mind you, I've never done this kind of traveling before. So when um, I just, I flew into London at uh, um, and then I flew into Dubai, the airport. But when I flew into London something happened and my plane my flight got delayed. So mind you, I've never done this before. So now I'm in the airport and they're like, "Oh, you can't fly out until tomorrow." And I'm like, "What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go?" <laughs> so they were like, "Wow. We're going to give you, you know, the airline is going to pay for you to have, uh, you know, stay in a hotel. You can leave the airport, go, you know, so I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> this is London. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, you want me to leave the airport? They were like, yes, I'm going to leave the airport. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so I did it, though. I did it. I got a taxi, and the taxi took me to – it's so weird because they were driving on the different side of the road and everything. They took me to this – to the hotel – and, and it's so weird because it's so different from the hotels, um, you know, I was accustomed to staying in in the States. It was just very, very different and odd. And so by the time I got to Dubai, I get off the plane there. I'm seeing, you know, all of the people, the scent. You smell the oud that they wear. It's just, it's, I mean, everything is just so different. So by the time mm-hmm. I got to the hotel, because, like, the first couple of weeks I was in a hotel, i cried by the time i got into my own flat which is like an apartment um, i cried i think probably the first i think probably the first month or two i cried i mean it was just so different i didn't you know people speaking other languages even the people who can speak english it's so broken or you know, their accents are so thick. Heavy accent, yeah. That, yeah, that you really, it sounds like this are another language. Um, so you're just in this very foreign place. And then my children uh, at the time, you know, and then, I don't know, you know, in the UAE, you know, they block um, communication. So you can't Skype and things like that in the UAE. It's blocked. So you actually have Ooh. to have a VPN and all these other things. Yeah, yeah, You and you got to plan all this stuff before you go because once you get there, you can't – I mean, you'll be stuck you won't be able to access people like like you want to. So I'm looking at my babies on Skype because I knew ahead of time to get my VPN on my computer and all that kind of stuff, so I was able to communicate. Um. So I'm looking at my babies, and they're like, you know, they're just – they're kids, and they're like, Mom, we did this today, and this happened at school. And um, their dad and I, although we were getting a divorce, uh, we still loved each other because later I knew that I just was stupid, and that was a very stupid thing that I did, but it was too late after that. But anyway, so mm-hmm. he would talk to me, and, you know, I, I did a lot of crying, and I did a lot of that's when I first got on Facebook to be able to keep up with everybody in the States. Because um, I didn't Facebook before, like, t- late 2009, 2010. I didn't do Facebook. I didn't know what what it was. Um, and so I was on Facebook all the time, which made it worse, because I'm watching everybody talking about they're going out to this place. And they do all the things that I'm used to doing, everybody's doing it without me. And I'm just – so I cried. I really did um, – until about the third month, going into the third month, I I realized if you're gonna make it, you have to realize that you can't be in two places at one time, and you no longer live in the United States. You live in the UAE, and so you got to start to live here. So when so with that, I stopped going on to Facebook all the time. I stopped watching what everybody was doing. Um, I just sort of immersed in the culture that I was in, and it helped me get through it. Mhm, yeah, but I did come home early i was I was gonna stay for two years, but after the first year, mm-hmm. my oldest son, who was not my husband's vile child, began to have some issues, and um The counselor called me, uh, the counselor called me, and the time difference is so drastic. So when they called, it was like midnight, my time there. And um, I was, you know, and he was saying that he was scared to go home, whatever. His father was a disciplinarian, okay? So he was not playing. My my oldest son, he was something else when he was younger. So he didn't like to get spankings and stuff. And so, um, but the counselor said he was scared to go home. So I was like, oh, okay. Out to go home. I got on a plane the ne listen that night at midnight, I got a flight that left the next day, got on a plane, flew back to see what was going on, got back. Everything was fine. He was just mad that day and acted. you know, just wanting to act out. The counselors called me because they were like, We know you. We know your husband. We know we know your son. We know, you know, so they didn't call like defects. They didn't call the people because he said that. They were like, We we know him um and how he you know how he normally is and all that kind of stuff so they called me so I came home I just flew straight away took care of it but I decided that I would not stay another year I did go back to finish out that contract year but I didn't go back another year because I was like you know what my I, my children need me at this stage in their lives um, so yeah I, I didn't go back mhm all right. Well, you, you have books
0: already available on Amazon, um, and um, I'm assuming on your website as well. Like you have mm-hmm. uh, God, I've Got Questions, 10 Bible Studies for yes. Women, Speak with Sheik, yep. One Woman, 10 Truths. And now yep. you've released a book called When I Met Him. It is a 70 yes. page book that talks about um, what, 10 different types of men that women may recognize. Can you tell us a little bit about the Mm -hmm.
1: book? Yes. So when I met him, oh, well, let me just say this. Speak with Sheet, One Woman, Ten Truths is the first book of my series. When I Met Him it's the second book in the series. Um, And they are a series of conversational narratives. So each book is a short read. It's going to be less than 100 pages. Um, and each book includes 10 short narratives, hence conversational narratives, and they're written in conversational tone. So when I met him, <laughs> yes, it explores 10 different encounters. I won't say relationships because some of them weren't relationships, They were, but they're encounters. That I have had okay. in my life with 10, 10 different men. And um, I share those stories as a release. I write therapeutically. So every book that I release is me releasing something out of me, out my head, out my heart, out my soul, and I put it on the paper. Um, and so when I, when I, when people read it, whether it's a woman or a man, because men, men read the book, well. So I've gotten some really good feedback from men, but the majority of my readers are women. Uh, when they read it, they don't see Angel. Um, they see themselves. Uh, each chapter and When I Met Him or each story is titled Man and then a Number. So you've got Man 1, Man 2, Man 3, all the way to Man 10. Um, the books never have names. There are no names in any of the books. There's dialogue, and when I met him, but there are no names. So when you read it, you're going to go, oh, man, too, is definitely John. (laughs) You know,
0: my intention (laughs) is
1: that the reader will name those men because when she reads, she's going to know that man. And she's going to say, I've been there. I, I know what this is. And so my hope is that by sharing my story, I inspire other women to open up their mouths and share their stories. Um, you know, I also pray that as women read uh, when I met him, as well as uh, speak with Sheet One Woman Ten Truths, but when they read it, that it either helps their healing process so that they know they're not alone. Because, for one, it was hard enough to write a book that I say are relationships or, or encounters I've had with 10 men. First thing, people are like, hmm, 10 men, right? right? What kind of floozy is she? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you know how people think. And then what I talk about. You know, when I met my husband, he was married. So to to write a story, um, to share that part of my journey where I was a side chick, you know, to to share part of my story where I I fell in love with a man that quote unquote was beneath me or below my level, you know. He had twelve felonies. He was a, a he was mm. he was a reforming crip. you know. He didn't have a job. Well, you know, one one of my friends. Yeah, one of my friends was like, girl, pretty much 12 felonies when I met him. When I met him, he was, I think he had been out of prison maybe two years. Well, they weren't, I mean, he wasn't murdering people. He wasn't in there for anything, you know, drug-related. Um,
0: drug-related. Oh, okay, I didn't know if the, tenth, the tenth one was free or something.
1: Yeah, <laughs> No, he did his time and he you know and he got out. But he had okay, been out the system since he it's was over. like eleven. Yeah. So here I am, this college educated. I got a master's degree in counseling and psychology. I've been, you know, I've been overseas. I trained teachers overseas. I work for the Department of Defense. I you know, Army I'm I'm like this very accomplished woman and I'm dating this man who <laughs> by everybody else's standards, you know, they're like, Angel, what are you doing? You know, but I'm gonna tell you, I fell in love with that man. Um, that man was one of the uh, he was one of the kindest men I have ever met in my life. And the way I saw it at the time was, you know what? You can't teach a person how to be kind. You can't teach a person how to just love you because they do, but mm-hmm. I can upgrade a man. I can teach a man how to, you know, I could, can, I, I could can retrain it. Right. go some flows. <laughs> listen, so I don't fall me, in that time, trap. I, but I'm gonna tell you by the time, um, but you know, before it ended for us, he was in school. He was in he was in junior college. I started the JUCO, a community college. He was working on a degree. He had gotten a driver's license. He was 34 years old. He had never had a driver's license because of, you know, wow. I'm sure he's right. And he had fines. And so when he went to the driver's department, I was like, why don't you just pay these fines? He's like, I ain't giving nobody my money. I was like, listen, if you pay these people, you get a driver's license, you know. And so um, he did work. He did, he, he did get a, you know, he did start getting jobs. They were like temp jobs, and he started to work. Um, I wasn't paying his way. He Whatever he worked or whatever, he did what he needed to do. I just helped him know what to do with the money he was getting. You know what I'm saying? Um, his friends are like, what is this? He was in Gap, Levi's, you know? <laughs> he went from mm-hmm. looking like a Crips to looking, you know, looking like a schoolboy, you know what I'm saying? And, we were just doing so good, but what I what I realized later is that he wasn't ready for that. A person has to be ready for that level of upgrade. and And under a year's time, I pretty much transformed him into this new person, this person that I thought would fit my lifestyle. You know, I wanted to be able to take him – you know, into the into the arenas I was in, and I knew that he just wouldn't fit the other way. So I helped him, and he said he was like, you know, he used to call me Sharp, you know. He said, "Sharp, you know, you're so square. I want to be square." He would say, "Teach me how to be square." That's what he would say. "Teach me how to be square." Wow. And I was like, "I can help you with that." So, but what happened was he ended up. He ended up kind of backtracking, and so those old friends and I would tell him like, you can't, you can't be hanging out. You can't, you know, it's, if you want to say if you want to be square, you know, there's certain things that squares just don't do. Squares don't hang out with Chris. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, but they much. all of a sudden it became, yeah, it just became, Shar, you're the warden. You know, and I'm like, I'm the warden. His friends would call me the warden. So it would take him back to that place. Like, you know, you can't tell me what to do. And so he just started he, yeah. he backpedaling. And um, once he, you know, and I'm not going to tell it all because his story is in the book. Um, but it got to a point where I was like, you know what? I have four sons. And I can't do this. Like, this isn't good for my boys. But I'm going to keep it 100 with you, Q. And your listeners. Okay. If I were a single woman and I did not have kids, I would have rolled it out with him. Really? I would have stuck it out with him. I really would have, yeah. I'm still in contact with him today. I am. And I'm going to tell you, he's back in prison right now. And and oh, oh. I knew he was going to go. I knew he was going back to prison because of what he backpedaled into, you know. I knew. I knew, and I'm glad he's in prison because if he weren't in prison, he'd be dead. And so um, I still keep in contact with him, actually, and it helps him, to you know, to know that somebody out here cares about him, um, who really does have, have his best interests at heart. He's clean. He's sober. You know, um, he's well. He's fit. He's, you know, keeping himself together. He's writing. He's, you know, so, and he realizes what he needed to do, and he needed to do it for himself, not for Char, but for him. And so we're still friends, but he knows that he's, you know, we're never going to be in a relationship again, but he's okay with that. He's good with, you know, it's like I just just stay here, you know. I just <laughs> And I'm okay yeah. with that. And yeah, I know that I'm probably the only healthy person he has in his life. The other people there creeps and and uh you know everybody get high, and that's what his that's what his life that's what that's and so I know even when he was with me, I was the only person in his life who didn't want him to do crazy things, so I stay connected with him because hmm. I want him to be healthy and I want him to be whole, and I want him to come out of that prison um well, you know, and I think. That um, having someone on the outside who has his best interests at heart will help the process for him. So, yeah, I'm still connected. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let's hope so. I mean, he should have stayed with you and <laughs> he'd be a lot, a lot better off right now, I'm sure. But hopefully yeah, he can but get he it together. He wasn't
1: ready. He wasn't ready. What I was, you know, a person has to be ready to make that kind of lifestyle change. It's hard. I mean think about it. If you just think you, You're, we're not in gangs and stuff, but just think how hard it is to cut to cut toxic family members off. I mean, even if they aren't gang banging and selling dope or whatever, yeah. it it's hard. Who, like you know that you met somebody y'all are trying to do well or whatever and then you got your you got your sisters and your brothers who are like you know so you think you're better than us and you remember where you come from and you and then your friends are like you remember you know when I held you down and and all these other kind of things and then there's this one person who's saying listen let's do our own thing but you're like I can't leave them like they like before there was a you there was a them and you and you're asking me to cut them off like like how do I do that? You got to be ready to let go of toxicity in your life. And if you're not re- ready, That's it's true. forced. And so I sort of pushed him harder than what he was ready for and it and he couldn't handle the pressure. Um and so he just sort of regressed. And um yeah, yeah. So He's one of the mm. men in the book, and there are others okay. in that book as well. Yeah.
0: Well, I just hope that one of my listeners doesn't decide to read the book and they come across someone that you know gave them a hard time that they recognize and are like, "Oh my God, that's a Quincy." I just hope that doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> Listen, you know what's wild, Q, is that there are there are there are a couple men that. um I was in relationships with who are not in the book, <laughs> who contacted me. I was like, why I'm not in the book? <laughs> oh, wow. They were looking for their themselves. Huh? Yes. It's like, why I'm not in the book? Like, why is our story not in the book? Um, I told you that I, I when I went overseas, I had my stellar moment. Well, the the young man that I had my Stella moment with, um, we're still, you know, we're still cool as well. And um, <laughs> he bought the book, he read the book, and he was like, "Why is our story not in there?" And I was like, "Our story didn't fit. It wasn't, it wasn't what needed. It wasn't what needed to be released. You know what I'm saying?" And I told him, I was like, you know, the stories that are in this book have been released. I need. They were heavy. They they needed to be released. Me, our story was sweet. You know, our story was good. It and I was like, do you want to be released? Because <laughs> if you mm-hmm. need to be released, you could be in the next book. You know, what I mean? You could be a part too. But you know, we don't have like an intimate relationship or anything like that. But that it was just a different story. And I, you know, you know, I'm a God girl. And so I allowed, I allowed the Holy Spirit to lead me into what needed to be released in that particular book. And that, and the story that we had just didn't, it just didn't fit. So it, it didn't right. make the book. And I'm going to tell you, he several times, I was like, why not? Why not? Why not? You know, I, another guy is like, I'm just pretty pissed. I'm not in the book, and I was like, the only reason you know you're not in the book is because I told you you're not in the book because you haven't actually read the book. You haven't bought the book, you know. Then he felt some kind of way, so he got he bought the book. <laughs> but I'm like, no, hey, he in the book. Why? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought that was weird. I haven't gotten any. I have not gotten any calls from anybody in the book though, saying I'm in the book. Or I noticed, oh, except Man 2. Man 2, yes. Man 2. Man 2 and I have talked. And um, he ac- he actually loves his story. He said it okay. was perfect. Yeah, so thought that was interesting.
0: All right, well, cool. So what's next for Angel Charmaine? I mean, what can we look forward to in the future from you?
1: I don't know. Um, I got so much going on in my head, so much that I want to do. I definitely want to turn the books into uh, some maybe stage plays. Um, I'm not sure if I want to put it on the screen or on the stage, but definitely looking to actually um, create something of that nature. With the books, so I've been looking at uh, connecting That'd with a cool. playwright to turn the books into, you know, stage plays to start. Um, so that's that's probably going to be my next move. Um, I already have um, the idea for the next book in the series, which I think will really help mothers. Um, I'm not going I'm not gonna give anything away about that because that's going to be my next book. And um, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still in the works on it, but just know that if you're a mom, then you're definitely going to want to connect with the next book in the series because um, it's going to be powerful. So, yeah. Um, but definitely, I think, I think stage plays are, are most definitely where I'm going. I'm also looking to do more speaking engagements. I am an inspirational conversationalist is what I call myself. And um, it's because I, I inspire people through conversations. I don't like to call myself a speaker. Speakers talk at people. I have conversations with people. So I am looking to do more um, appearances where I get to, you know, talk to people. Um, so, yeah, you can probably be on the lookout, seeing me in some different venues as, as a conversationalist. Um, look out for some plays that may be coming um, I'm also, you know, I'm a podcaster, speak up this podcast. So I'm really, really, really trying to grow that platform. And it's so hard in the culture we're in right now, everybody wants everybody wants the juice, you know, everybody wants the tea. Everybody wants to cut up and act crazy and that's what folks want. I'm trying to make sure that I just stick to the heart of my podcast. And share stories. And so, you know, not a lot of people want to hear other people's stories. I guess they need to hear them, but they don't necessarily want to, right. I guess. So, Um, but I'm not doing so bad, badly, because I started January. The first Monday in January was the very first um, episode with, with, you know, with a guest. And when I looked yesterday, I was like in nine hundred um, plays downloads. All right. So that's what's up. That's you know, that's what's up. I'm I'm relatively new in the thing. Just about at a thousand. So people are listening. Um, so I'm gonna to continue to try and grow that platform because I think it's it's I think it's solid. I know it's solid. I just gotta stick at it. So I'm gonna continue with that as well.
0: That's great. It's only going to get better. And um, mm-hmm. when you mentioned speaking engagements, it made me think of a uh, a young lady here in Mississippi who has a, I guess you can call it a movement or um, a group called Stilettos on the Pavement, and mm-hmm. I think it really centers around women, uh, women and entrepreneurship and things of that nature. And they usually have conferences, um, I think, like every quarter or something. Uh, forgive me for not knowing more details. But a young lady Mm -hmm. named Tamika Garrett, so I have to try to maybe do my homework and and see if maybe I can connect you two and maybe you can network on something, so to be at one of her conferences or something. So I'll have to try to reach out to her and see if you two would be a fit.
1: Thank you, Q. I appreciate that.
0: All right. So where can my listeners find you, your website, your show, as well as your
1: books? Okay, well, I'm sort of a one-stop shop. You can go to SpeakUpSys.com for everything. If you go to speakupsis, that's S-I-S, speakupsis.com, you can access the Speak Up Sis podcast from there. You can access the Speak Up Sis talk radio show from there. You can contact me from there. Um, you can check out the IBT program on there if you like to sponsor the program you can do that as well. There's you know advertisement slots and all that kind of stuff is if you're a business and you like to sponsor then check all of that out. Um, there's an actual Speak up assist online store so all of my books you can get um, you can get them in some of them you can get in digital format in PDF format or paperback format. Um, when I met him is even on audiobook. You can access that through the website. Oh. Um, yeah, So there, and there's a store that's got Speak Up Sis merchandise, wristbands, keychains, buttons, mugs, T-shirts, tote bags, all of that stuff. So if you go to speakupsys.com, you can access me. If you would like to connect with me directly, you can just email me at info, I-N-F-O, at angelcharmaine.com. Um, and you might wanna spell that out for them somewhere, Q, but <laughs> um but that's, that's my email. That's not a problem. Yeah, info at angelsharmain dot com is the email that um you can connect with me if you'd like to.
0: And okay. you can you she can get all my books on Amazon. Book.
1: She's fancy. Yes, you know, listen, I was thinking <laughs> I don't want to give anybody a reason to say they're not going to get when I met him. Like, oh, Angel, I don't right. read. No worries. Get an audio book. Oh, girl, I prefer to read on my Kindle. No worries. I got it on Kindle. Girl, I ain't got nothing. No worries. I got it in PDF format. You can read it on anything. I mean, hey, if you don't get my book, it's because you don't want to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I have a copy coming to me as we speak, that um, I will give away to one of my lucky listeners in the future. So I want all my listeners to stay tuned uh, to future shows to hear how you can become a winner of the When I Met Him book by Angel Charmaine.
1: Yes, you're going to love it.
0: All right, Angel Charmaine of Speak Up Sis. Podcaster, author, I believe she said, what inspirational conversationalist? Is that what she said?
1: Yes. That's Instead of I speaker, <laughs>
0: I want to thank you for joining this Q Q on one edition of the Top Two Radio Show. It's been a pleasure to have you on, and I hope we can do this again in the future.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Q. I just want to say I appreciate you, brother. Um, I love your show. I love all your legends. <laughs> the show legends. Right. Um, yes, and I just appreciate your beautiful spirit. Um, continue to be great and do great things. And, um, yeah, I look forward to doing some some more work with you in the future. I appreciate you.
0: And that's going to do it for this T2Q podcast. Go to talkofq.com. And that way you can sign up for the email newsletter and be alerted to new shows as they come out. I'm on Twitter at talk and that's Talk, the number 2Q. So I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast of T2Q, and I'll see you next time.